Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Sunday, the 27th of December. I love that interview with that football manager. You know, because he asked him last question. I can't remember what it was. But then he went, oh, thank you very much indeed. And then this football manager, he looked at him like... He really glared at him. When they cut back to the studio, we're going, oh, my God. All a bit uh, all a bit tedious, all a bit good. I watch a boxing match. Oh, no, that's the matter when you have a Christmas. It was rubbish on the television. So I watched a boxing match, and that was between some bloke who apparently is going to be the new world heavyweight champion and somebody who I assume that either got from an old people's home or a cemetery. Uh, Cheryl's marriage has been sunk by a language barrier, says her cousin. Yes, assuming the fact that he can't understand a blooming word she says. That would be the language barrier. Barbara Windsor's going to be a dame. Not before time, I hasten to add. And I'm sure that Scott is up even as I speak. The fury at Katie Price's pantomime. And that was a very interesting one. She mimed. You know what the reason was? She's got a two-week stint in panto. The uh, the uh, the ageing Lothario that is Katie Price, who was Jordan, who was uh, Mrs. Maritou, that and I couldn't keep up with it. But anyway, the reason is that they thought she was going to lose her voice, so they let her mime. What a load of old codswallopay, ladies and gentlemen. If you go to the pantomime, you expect them to sing. She does sing in the second half. And now you know why she mimes in the first half, because she can't sing for toffee. She cannot even hold a note. It is so embarrassing that you sit there thinking, why don't you just get off the stage and leave it to professionals? Apparently she's earning 100000 That's why the seat prices are so expensive for you, boys and girls. Not that any of you in there, apart from your parents, will have the faintest idea who she is. You will not... Why would you know who some sort of old has-been page three girl from Donkey's years ago who made a pornographic film would be of any interest to anybody going to pantomime? Uh, the shoppers fleeing the machete maniac... It gets worse and worse, doesn't it? In Kent... And a teenager's been arrested. Um, what was the other one? Oh, yes, the, um, the, the people who queue for the sales. The people for whom Christmas must be just a blur. So they go out, they buy presents, and then blow me down. The following day, or two days later, the stuff you've just bought is vastly reduced. And I think to myself, nothing on earth would get me to queue for anything. It's like people who queue for phones. Try to be the first person to get the phone. To show it to who? It's like the people who drive out of garages with new number plates. And they go, oh, I've got a brand new car. And I go, no, you haven't. That car's anything up to three years old. The only thing new about it is the number plate, because it's just been registered. It's not a new car at all. Made three years ago, stuck in a field, covered in like a glue thing. And then they bring it in, polish it off, and they go, oh, look, here's your new car. So at midnight, these bozos drive out of garages. Who's sitting there waiting for them? Nobody. Traffic police. Traffic police. I got followed by a police car this morning. I was so praying he was going to put the blues and twos on. I was so praying in case, you know, have you had a drink, sir? And I could then go, with all honesty, absolutely not. I never drink over Christmas. Never drink over Christmas. Although this this Christmas I did break with tradition. I did have two glasses of Prosecco over two separate days. And that was the extent of it. I drove back down the motorway, driving blooming rain. But I've got a great story to tell you about a bent taxi driver. A bent minicab driver. And, uh, in fact, actually, we, we had a couple of stories of this. It's amazing, actually, how uh, gullible the insurance companies are. Not only how gullible they are but how much they, uh, they accept the fact that the majority of claims going through are fraudulent. But as they, I'll, I'll tell you the story a bit later, because I was horrified. I, I, I get quite angry about people who get cheated. I don't like people being cheated at all. And, uh, and then, what was the other? Oh, that's right. And then we had some, then on, on Christmas Day, we opened up the phone lines. Well, we didn't. I say we opened up the phone lines. We had sort of a couple of phone calls through. So I wasn't really wild about. One of them was from Milton Keynes. 
And uh, what a dump that is. Anyway, you know, you only go to visit Milton Keynes to see your hubcaps. So I do this routine about Milton Keynes, all tried and, uh, tried and tested material. Uh, and the bloke who'd phoned me is a regular. In fact, I'd been out for lunch with him and a few other people only a few weeks ago. So it was it was all gentle chiding. But sadly, John Napper did not see the joke. After all the years of listening to the programme, he failed to see the fact that it was a gag. He said, I was disappointed here, you knocking Milton Keynes, where I lived for 26 years. Ignore those stupid... It was a gag routine, Joe. Surely you can't have seriously thought that it was serious. Surely you knew that the bloke I was talking to is a regular and that he's part of a, a group of people who sort of go out and talk about the pro... You didn't... I mean, John, I really, you've gone down in my estimation if you seriously thought that was serious. Come on, for God's sake. And you've been drinking. You've been drinking. Incidentally, he doesn't live in Milton Keynes anymore. He lives in Rio de Janeiro. Bit of a difference, eh? Bit of a difference. I mean, I couldn't... But when I read that, I thought you were having some sort of laugh or something. Disappointed to hear you knocking Milton Keynes. I wouldn't... I mean, to be honest with you, John, I mean, to Ruth, you know, between the two of us, I wouldn't go there if you paid me. Doesn't interest me. In this. Why would I waste petrol going to Milton Keynes? What's Milton Keynes got that I do not have? What has Milton Keynes got that I do not have? And the answer is absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. And uh, Tom, the answer is no to that one. And uh, another one here. This, I, I do want to read everything out on the pro. I don't like to miss anything at all because I think it's unnecessary if you, if you know. And then somebody was talking about posh people say supper. Do they? I just thought they call it food because I've had lunch. What have I had? Breakfast, brunch, lunch, dinner. I've had tea as well. And also, do you call it dessert or pudding? What do you think it is? Is it a dessert or is it a pudding? Yeah, we, some people call it afters. It's like, do you call it the lavatory, the little room, the toilet or the powder room? What, what do you call it? You call it? Or do you call it the bathroom? We just call it toilet. It's the toilet. That's what it is. It's the toilet. I love it. I love it. I noticed actually that poor old Christo had some pretty thick calls on this morning. Do you know what I heard the other day? Do you know, I heard the other day, I heard that there was a story during the rounds that there were people who go to A&E, they, they were saying to people, do not go to A&E, you're clogging it up. They're very busy down there, they're very overworked. And what do some people turn up? A cold. They turn up with a cold. And you think to yourself, are you the stupidest, dumbest people ever? And the answer, I think so. I think so. It was like people who, who do the mispronunciation. Those people are real psychos. You know, real psychos. Oh, I don't like people saying H. Or I don't like people saying, get over yourselves. Get over yourself. Get a life. Go out there. Smell the coffee. You know, go see. Go talk to the concrete cows. Just don't embarrass yourself on the radio by putting yourself onto a phone-in programme. You know, and sort of going, oh, I don't think we should be saying sort of H. And I don't like people who say this. and don't. Do this. You know, have, have you got nothing better in your life? And the answer is probably not. But people go to A&E and they go, I've got the sniffles. What have you got for it? I mean, if I was there, I'd be picking them up by the scruff of their necks and throwing them out the door. Look, the chemist is down there. I mean, even, it doesn't matter where they've come from. If you're sitting in, you know, Lithuania and you get a cold, do you turn up to the local hospital and ask them for something for sniffles? No. If you're in Poland and you get a... Do you then go to A&E or something in the back of an ambulance? No. But ever since we realised the other week that people phone 999 and complain about the fact that their kebabs are cold or their Chinese hasn't uh, sort of done or the next door neighbours are making a noise or, you know, somebody rang your doorbell and put a card through the door, all this kind of thing, you suddenly realise we're living in a country of idiots. Complete and utter... They're either idiots or they're crooks. There seems to be no sort of midway between them at all. Mary says we call it pudding. You see, I would call it pudding. Some people call it a dessert. But I always used to say when I was a kid, what we got for pudding? 
That's, you know, it was pudding. But do you have pudding at tea time or do you have it at dinner? I suppose if you're having dinner, which is a bit posh, then you go, and what is for dessert? And somebody goes, poached pears. And you go, what, pears in the saucepan with red wine all over them? What a boring bloody dish that turned out to be. Oh, Dullsville. Although we did have some very good food over Christmas. There were ten of us on uh, Christmas lunch and didn't have to do anything. Had to do nothing at all. It was all... um, it was all catered for by my brother's daughters, who did everything. The best roast potatoes we've ever had. There was so much at the end of it. We were so stuffed. We couldn't eat anything at all. So we then had a break. Unfortunately, my brother is one of these people who thinks that there is no such thing as sitting down after Christmas lunch and staring at the television. So we do a quiz. Every year, we do a quiz. Every year, for as long as I've been alive, we do a quiz. And so you set yourself up into teams... And uh, then the first round is general knowledge. And some, some of the questions were absolutely impossible and some were fairly, fairly easy. And, uh, and then he gives you the next round, which is a picture round. So he's got photographs on a piece of paper and you have to write down who you think it is underneath. Then you go back to another general knowledge round, then another picture round. Then you have beat the intro. So he puts down the lyrics to some Christmas songs and you've got to work out what the song is. I mean, to be honest with you, it's, if, if you like quizzes, you'd absolutely love Christmas in our place. Because that's what we do for the rest of us. I mean, I've won it every year for three years, except this year I get his youngest daughter. And both of us were blooming useless this year, so we, we came last. So, But I didn't... I'd lost the will to live. It was also... He wanted to play a game at the table, which involved um, two truths and a lie. You have to tell three stories. Two are true and one is a lie. Well, I didn't have the energy to think of anything at all. I couldn't think of anything. I couldn't think of anything that was sort of, you know, I was going to come up with Julie Andrews asked me to sing with her. And, um, you know, and then I thought in the end, oh, I can't be doing with it. I said, can't we just do the quiz? In the end, you start begging for the quiz. So we did the quiz and it was good. And then we had dessert and my brother's girlfriend's daughter, Amy, brought dessert. So we had fresh fruit salad and then she made what was like an eaten mess. But it was with Terry's chocolate orange and cream and meringue and something else was folded into it. Chocolate, I think. So it was, it was basically, I didn't eat any of it, because to me it was a heart attack in a bowl just waiting to happen. And so it was thick cream with a Terry's chocolate orange melted, swirled through it, then with meringue broken up through it as well, and then more cream over the top and then drizzled with, with chocolate sauce. I mean, it, it looked delicious, and everybody said it, it tasted fantastic. I just looked at it, and the moment I thought, eaten mess, I know it's got meringue in, meringue is sugar, cream is fat... Chocolate is really bad news, so that was out the window. Which is a shame, really, because otherwise I'd have eaten it if I was really thinking about killing myself over the Christmas period. And then yesterday, I go down to the uh, to the Godchildren, and that was lovely. So we had uh, five, six... There were only s- eight of us yesterday. Eight of us yesterday. Which was actually... It was, it was just the right amount. And everybody was chilled out. We didn't have to go anywhere. We had a buffet for supper with smoked salmon and leftovers, and we had bubble and squeak and things like that. And that was really nice. And then we had a power cut. And and so went and flicked all the lights back on again. Because they had enough lights that you could land planes at Heathrow with. The tree with about a thousand on. God knows how many thousand at the back garden. How many thousand around the house. How many thousands outside the front of the house. And so we're all sitting there. And I'm just about to open my presents. Because this year I got the most presents I've ever had in my entire life. Seriously. Only when I was younger. And even then I didn't get this many presents. I must have opened yesterday more than... 
More than 40 presents, I would think. More than 40 presents, because very kindly, I went, uh, I went out with some of the listeners, and each one of them bought me a present. So I had all sorts of presents there, so I had one big sack. Then a lovely lady turned up here with another sack of presents. Then I had all the ones from my godchildren, and from the parents of my godchildren. So in all in all, I mean, it must have been about 40 presents that I'm, I'm now sitting at home with in a huge sack. So I had to stagger back. Unfortunately, the problem was yesterday, I'm on these new tablets from the doctor. And these are diuretics. In other words, you take them and you wee for the country. I can barely make it down the motorway without having to pull into the side of the road and sort of exercise the authority of, uh, of having a wee by the side of the car. I mean, God knows what people must have thought. Flash car, what's he doing? I think he's having a wee. And so I then get it, then I had another week. Yesterday, how many, between the hours, what time to get down there? About half past ten and two o'clock in the afternoon, six wees. Six, I mean, seriously, I've never had anything like it. And I get back in the car and I just make it back to Twickenham yesterday evening. Uh, so I could sort of rush in. And uh, we had rugby yesterday. It was all very nice indeed. But again, I thought, mustn't take any more of these tablets. What did I do this morning? I took the tablet without even thinking about it. So I'm expecting as I wander around uh, doing dog walking this morning that I'm going to be going yet again. It's all very exciting, isn't it, really? But uh, nice to have all the presents. And they really were, I mean, some super presents. I mean, some really, really super presents. I've got some lovely stuff this year. So one very happy bunny, uh, one car with an extra 650 miles on the thing over the two days. And today is Sunday. So today is, as far as I'm concerned, a putting your feet up kind of a day. But I have a horrible feeling it's going to be winter wonderland. Sunday 27th it is. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Just about quarter past six. Christmas on LBC with Steve Allen. Actually, it's very interesting. I was just looking at one of my boss's tweets. Ashley... Uh, says, great buying the family Apple products for Christmas. The trouble is you spend all the Boxing Day setting them up for everybody. And that's totally true, isn't it? You can always guarantee somebody will give you something over the festive season that needs batteries. Have you ever got any batteries? No. Do I have batteries? Yes. Do I have batteries for every occasion? Yes. I've always got batteries. But I know that through bitter experience over the years, somebody buys you something and you go, what batteries does that take? And then you have to kind of work it all out. It's... <coughs> Excuse me, right pain. Anyway, nice to have you company. Welcome to Sunday. You've made it through this far. As far as I'm concerned, this is still Christmas. I still think it's Christmas. I refuse, refuse. We've had such a, a long, you know, sort of lead up to Christmas. I refuse to accept the fact that it's all over now and now we're into the January sales. No, I'm not subscribing to that at all. As far as I'm concerned, this is still Christmas. This is still the opportunity to put your feet up, still the opportunity to be festive. Uh, unfortunately, my tree outside fell down the other day. The good news was it didn't break any of the lights or anything at all, so I've had to take it down completely, which is OK, which is fine. Council very good around my way. They, 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 I know some councils don't take away Christmas trees. Ours are very good. Literally, you put something by the side of the road, believe you me, within about an hour, it's actually gone. Uh, Jan from South Norwood says, uh, these are my thoughts, scent, not perfume, frock, not dress, lavatory, not toilet, pudding, not dessert. See, lavatories, I always go toilet. Do I, I can't remember that. You know, sometimes you think about it. Scent, not perfume. No, I've always said perfume. Doesn't help, does it? And uh, Malcolm says, your interview with Martin Shaw, you were asked why you couldn't recall things from the 60s. Yet you have... Uh, you, sorry, you could recall things from the 60s, yet you have difficulty remembering things that happened comparatively recently. One explanation which I was given is the memory works like a tape recorder. The recording head works well when new or younger, but deteriorates with age. The same applies to memory, hence the lack of short-term memory. It's funny, actually, I can remember certain things from way, way back. Uh, and I did say 
uh, the other day I tweeted that Tara Jeffries had died. Tara Jeffries was, uh, when I joined LBC, I think she, uh, she also came in to do some overnight shows. And I first encountered her at UBN, where she was a secretary. And um, she, uh, she, she was slightly eccentric. I think they would be putting it mildly. Anyway, uh, she did work for LBC. And she did some overnight shows in the very early days when it was when it was just magazine format. It wasn't phone in or anything like that. And uh, so my friend Chris said to me the other day, he said, uh, oh, I've just heard that Tara's died. And, uh, and my other friend, Rob Goldstone, said to me, sent me a thing saying, are you aware that uh, Tara's died? And so immediately I want to know how old she was, because I can't remember these things. You know, as far as I'm concerned, everybody looks the same. It isn't until you see them a little bit later on in life, you suddenly realise that we're all ageing, uh, some better than others. And so, consequently, I, I wrote back and I said, how old was she? And they wrote back and said, we think she was in her 70s. But it's funny, see, because to me, she'll always be 20s. I never see her as anything else. You only hold those images, don't you? It is like the film Goodbye, Mr Chips, where he's dying, and uh, one of the uh, masters... Uh, says, as they're all sitting around his sort of bed, and he's got his eyes closed, and they go, oh, it's a shame, um, you know, that he, he and the wife never had any children. And he opens his eye, and he goes, what, what, what's that? And they said, oh, we were just saying, Chips, that it's a shame you never had any children. And he said, but I did. I did. And all boys. Because he was a master in a boys' school. And, uh, in fact, I was watching that with Martin Clunes the other day. It's a great film, Goodbye, Mr Chips. Robert Donuts is the best version, but that's sort of an oldie, oldie black and white version. And uh, that was really good. And it was that, it was that one line. And that's why you, re- you remember certain things, don't you? And you always hold that image of somebody that you know in your mind. So even when you get very old, you see them as they were. You don't see them as they look now. I see people over the years, and I think that people don't change because I see them on a regular basis. But if you don't see them for ages and ages, that's, that's the way it, it turns out. It's very good, actually. It's very good. Um, I'm going to tell you this story. I'm going to tell you this story, which is, uh, it happened to a friend of mine. And it happened only a short while ago. He was, um, he was at the traffic lights and there was a car in front of him and he's got an automatic. He's like mine. And, um, and he took his foot up because all you need to do on an automatic, you don't need to take it out of gear or anything. You just literally keep your foot on the brake. And then when you need to move off, you take your foot off the brake and put it on the accelerator and it, it goes forward very slowly. And um, so there's a car in front of him. So he... Uh, He's sort of there, and he inadvertently moves his foot a little bit. And so it edges forward at about two miles an hour, if that. And it touches the car in front. But as anybody will tell you, most of the bumpers nowadays are made out of sort of some acrylic or something like that. And so anyway, so he suddenly went, oh, God. Puts his foot on the brake, takes it out of gear. The bloke gets out of his car in front, and he goes, um, yeah. And he says, I'm sorry about that, mate. That's what this, this, this friend of mine said. He's sorry about that. He said, um, you know, I just took... Is there any damage to the car? No damage to the car at all. Nothing on the bumpers at all. So the bloke goes, uh, well, I don't want to do it through the insurance. So this friend of mine's going, what do you mean do it through it? There is no damage. There is no, no damage. But I, this ties in with another story. And, uh, and so he says, give me 50 quid and I'll sort of forget about it. Because I don't want to do it through the insurance. So this friend of mine says, sorry, give you 50 quid, mate. You must be joking. What would I give you 50 quid for? He says, well, I don't want to put it through the insurance. He said, there's no damage. There's no damage. And uh, so anyway, cut a long story short. uh, He then uh, takes the details. This friend of mine has taken photographs. 
and uh, he's, he's a minicab driver. He's a minicab driver. And uh, so he then, he thinks nothing of it. Then he gets a phone call from this bloke's um, uncle saying, we want 150 quid because we don't want to do it through the insurance. That'll pay for the damage. And he goes, there is no damage. What damage is there? He said, uh, he said well, 150 quid. He said, no, you're getting nothing at all. The next phone call he gets a day later is from the insurance company. And the insurance company go, you had an accident. He said, wait, 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 wait. He said, I didn't have an accident. He said, it must have rolled for... He said, I shouldn't imagine it even registered on the speedo. He said, there was no damage to the car. He said, he's got whiplash. And he went, what? He said, he's got whiplash. He said, this is fraudulent. He said, this is a fraudulent claim. And so the bloke from the insurance company said, and I wished he'd recorded it. He said, yes, possibly. He said, but it's a lot cheaper to settle than it is to take it to court. Because 99% of whiplash claims are fraudulent. They said, have you taken any pictures? He said, yes, I did. He said, he's claiming his mother was in the car. So this friend of mine said, this is a real fraudulent claim. There was nobody in the car at all. He's a minicab driver. There was nobody. He's claiming his mother was in the car. This is lies. This is... So when he sent the photos in to the insurance company, he wrote across the top of it, this is a fraudulent claim. This is a fraudulent claim. And the insurance company all but admitted. And if you got it on tape, you could have a field day. One of the newspapers would pick this up instantly. Because this person driving this car is bent. Bent. He's making a fraudulent claim by claiming he's got whiplash. Well, he had no whiplash. You don't just develop whiplash. It either happens. And at two miles an hour, I think it's highly unlikely. Highly unlikely that you're going to get whiplash. But anyway, it ties in quite nicely with another friend of mine who got cut up by a car on a motorway. And uh, again, pulled into the side of the road. It became a little bit of an altercation. And uh, and the bloke says, you've damaged the car. And so this, this friend of mine said, no, I haven't damaged the car. Luckily, he's got one of those little car cams. He's got the little car cam that's in the front of the windscreen and it records everything. So they were able to see that there was no damage. What the bloke did, in an effort to put through an insurance claim, he scraped his own car, he keyed his own car, and then put the claim forward. And so the insurance company said, well, I can see the evidence of keying. And he said, wait a minute, I've got video footage. I can show you, I can show you that there is no damage to the car whatsoever. And they went, can you send that in? So he sent it in. It's amazing how many people will tell lies about things like that. And those are the people you think that's why you've got, you know, huge insurance uh, bills to pay because of these liars. These people who go out there, you know, the bloke who claimed he had whiplash, whereas in fact he had no such thing at all. His mother wasn't in the car. He's a liar. He's a compulsive liar. These people tell lies. It's like people who stick their uh, their speeding onto their, their mother's driving licence. It's appalling, really, isn't it? It is absolutely appalling. But uh, it goes on. It goes on all the time. Um... Christine says, how about Ronnie Barker getting uh, some award? Well, as he's dead, I don't think it's very likely. I don't think Ronnie Barker's going to be getting any award. I think Ronnie Corbett might be getting something, but not this year. Not this year at all. Excuse me. I think they were all calling for uh, for Ronnie Corbett to get something, but he didn't uh, get it. Pat says, I was fascinated to find out Karen Brady started her working life in the advertising department at LBC, yes, and she went round to David Sullivan's house to sell him advertising, and he offered her a job. Yes, that's uh, that's well well documented. Dorman Dom in Blackpool says, I'm part of the six o'clock spike. Spike? Glad you had a, a lovely, a lovely, lovely Christmas. It was fantastic. 
It was fantastic. The sort of thing that, that people get very sort of jealous about, you know, if you've had a, a really, really, really good uh, good Christmas, people always... Oh, wait a minute, why have I done that? Oh, that's it. I fa- Do you know, also I'm getting better on this computer. I'm loving it, actually. Absolutely loving it. Uh, so because we had a really, really good Christmas and because we got loads and loads of presents and because we ate loads and loads of food, it's all fantastic. And you can't, you can't say any better than that, can you? You can't say any better. If you've had a nice Christmas, uh, the weather was... Ugh, absolutely depressingly awful. Uh, we do have the Sunday papers. Oh, we do have as well, later on this morning, Katie Hopkins is back with us at LBC. I knew you'd be thrilled. I knew you'd be thrilled. And no doubt she'll try and kiss me again. And we have to go down that route. Every time she comes in here, we do kisses. And, and then somebody said to me, ooh, you are a hypocrite. You never used to like Katie Hopkins. Yeah, well, I still don't like you, but I love her. So there you go. That makes you feel worse now, doesn't it? Because now you've got no friends. I mean, at least before you had me, now you haven't even got me. But Katie Hopkins gets me and she's going to be here this morning. This interesting, there's a piece in the paper where she's talking about going to America to do a chat show. Might want to challenge her on that one a bit later on. But I'm sure she's going to be concentrating on probably floods. Uh, Barbara Windsor getting a damehood. She will be. That'll be another outfit. That'll be another outfit. And I bet they're both up, her and Scott, at the moment. Because it's 6.30. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. And probably today you'll be going out and going, hey, let's do the sales. And everybody else is going, hey, let's not. Let's stay in. Let's not do anything. Why would you want to go to crowded places and start fighting over bits of china and a coat or something? It's just awful. I mean, surely you must have better things to do. I mean, I'm not knocking the sale. I understand exactly what they have to do. But why don't they just sort of dispense with Christmas and we'll all buy it after Christmas in the sales? Because I would get really annoyed if I'd been out and bought something only to discover next day there's 50% off. You know, because I'm thinking, well, why didn't you tell me that before Christmas? I did say before Christmas as well. Wouldn't it be lovely if we actually got a few days without pictures of the dreary Beckhams? Unfortunately... Not so lucky. Here's David, where his children have placed toffees all over him, um, and then they've taken a, po- a photograph and then they've posted it online. Is there something the matter with this family? I mean, if, if you know, could we not just have a situation whereby the press turn their back on them and go, do you know, stick insect and dreary man who advertises pants and whiskey? Why don't you just stay in? You know, why don't you keep your children in? And so, because there's another story about one of them. I can't remember which one it is. It could be any. They all are interchangeable to me. And this is Romeo, who wants to be a skateboarding champion. That's surprising, actually. I thought he wanted to be a barista, but nevertheless, he wants to be a skateboarding champion. And the story about Elton John. And this is where it took... Do you remember there was a story in the papers the other day, which we brought you on LBC, and it was about the fact that Elton John had just got rid of Gary Farrow. Gary Farrow had quit, saying that it, he just, he'd put so many years in. He's such a nice man... And uh, he's done Elton some big favours over the years. Big favours over the years. That's what he does. He's very good at doing that. And so what you've ended up with is you've got David Furnish taking over, uh, looking after Elton John. Almost a bit like his carer. It's a bit like that. You know, Elton is 68 now. And so David Furnish has taken over with no experience. With no experience of anything. But he's gradually taking away... All the things that Elton knows, all the regular people that he's had around him for years and years and years. It's almost a little bit like, you don't need to do anything, Clary. I can look after you. You don't need to go outside. I can deal with it. Now, I knew a story like this some years ago of a lady, and I will not identify her in any way, shape or form, but she had a very controlling husband. And he made it so difficult for her that she eventually didn't want to go out. Now, at the moment, you don't see Elton John nipping up and down Windsor High Street. 
you don't see him going out with a shopping basket round the local Sainsbury's because Elton John is either touring or he's in America and he's got all these houses. But unfortunately, they're all being looked after by David Furnish. They've got rid of so many people. There's gagging orders. It's a bit embarrassing, really. And then somebody else said the reason uh, is that uh, that Gary Farrow uh, found it difficult to continue working there is because of the golden oldie rivals. Elton apparently wants to match Rod Stewart, Dave Gilmore and David Bowie. Um, as opposed to just being an old 68-year-old piano player who goes over to America and does, I remember when rock was young. And he's got a new album, but you'd never know, would you? It's called Wonderful Crazy Night. And I'm sure it's brilliant. I'm sure it's wonderful. But he thinks if he gets rid of all the old people, then he can bring in some new people. Well, as Elton is a right pain in the royal proverbial rear end, as we all remember from Tantrums and Tiaras, where prissy little, you know, madam would not describe him eloquently. Um, I'm not sure that this is is the best way forward, because what he's done, he's alienated all his friends. All his friends, all the people who are loyal to him, they've got rid of. So, in other words, it'll be Elton John going, um, can can I phone so-and-so and and that? No, we we, we got rid of them. Oh, right, Who, who do I see now, David? You come to me, Reg, Okay, I deal with it for you. And, you know, we all remember... How disastrously it worked out for George Michael. George Michael ended up sitting by himself, smoking his joints, driving into snappy snaps, usual sort of thing, you know, and he ended up with sort of people deserting him because they they just go off the rails. And I would hate to think that Elton John had gone off the rails. I mean, he doesn't know anything else apart from from working, and so that's what he does. He works, and, and that's it. But I don't like to see the people who've been around him for such a long time being shoved to one side. And that appears to be what's happening in the household. And it all seems to come down to David Furnish, which is a shame, really, because, you know, Elton should really be wielding the upper hand. But obviously not in this particular case. And then up on the television the other day, Janet Jackson is having she's had to break her unbreakable tour to have surgery for a mystery illness. So I thought, OK, I didn't know she was touring. To be honest with you, I didn't know she was still going. But uh, she pulled out of six shows for a rest. She wrote on... Fa- oh, right, so she writes on Facebook, OK? She writes on a social media site. Um, Learned today that uh, from my doctors that I must have surgery soon. Um, it breaks my heart to tell you I'm forced to postpone. She said, please pray for me, my family and our entire company during this difficult time. Then the next thing she said was, I'm not going to tell you what it is. So having sort of reeled you in a little bit by saying, I've got to go into hospital for urgent surgery and please pray for me and my family. I'm, I'm thinking, well, as she's lived by the media for all these years. What, what, what is it she can't tell us? You know, if, is, it, is it cancer? Is it, some, is it breast cancer? What is it? I mean, is it is something, you know, she tells you everything else about her life. Why would she not tell you this? She's cancelling a tour, which takes place, you know, across the world, including apparently some gigs over here. Well, I mean, who would go and see her? I don't want to be rude, but, I mean, has, has, has Janet Jackson got enough of a fan base over here to fill up where they... I mean, this fact, Peter Andre, he's rarely off television, and he can't sell the O2. Admittedly, there are still a few seats left and a few albums, like, like, like sort of a warehouse full of Peter Andre albums, which you can probably sell at the gigs, you know, and it'd be nice. Has any what... There's not much progress in Ireland, no. I mean, I think, to be honest with you, it'd be easier if they actually stuck them in the freezer and stuck them to the peas and go buy a packet of peas, get a free Peter Andre album. Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? And that would encourage the chavs to go in and, and buy something. Perhaps you could put him on the carrots or the things that weren't selling. 
They're doing a nice profiter role ring at the moment. Perhaps you could stick Peter Andre's thing in there. But when you get Janet Jackson at the age of 49, so she's cancelled these dates. She's dropped all the subtle hints like my doctors have said I need urgent surgery. And then she doesn't, then she stops. Prompting me to ask and everybody else, so what is it she's got? And if, if somebody says, please pray for me, my family and our entire company during this difficult time, why are you not telling us? You've lived by publicity your entire life. Why would this all of a sudden change? Because she's told you on Facebook. So she's just told you, enough. I mean, do you know, there was one cynical side of me for about a five-second burst yesterday that thought to myself, perhaps the tickets aren't selling very well. And this is, this is sort of the, uh, the sweetener to go, listen, she's, she's going in for surgery. She'll emerge the other side and it'll be fine. And then people will go and buy, buy the tickets and see her. That's what I thought to myself. Because I couldn't understand why she wouldn't be telling us what it is. If it's, if it's a cancer or if it's a growth or whatever, why should we not know? Why should we not know? You're expecting us to buy tickets. You expect us to buy into your life. Surely, you know, something is important that this you'd want to tell us about. But, you know, that's Americans for you. Far be it from me. And here she is, Katie... A whole new world. Okay, and fantastic point of view. She can't sing for toffee, as we all know. In fact, actually, she's now so ancient and so Botoxed. Surprisingly, at the age of 37, she's looking more like Sylvester Stallone's mother. It's not a good look. Jackie Stallone, Stallone, I do a reading. I can do any sort of thing for you. And then you look at Katie Price and you suddenly realise what the word bozo means. And so... She's lip-syncing. She's pre-recorded. One audience member said it was obvious when she wasn't singing live and it was a soundtrack. The other performers were all singing live. It's ridiculous how much she's being paid. Anyway, she was clocked miming to Sweet Dreams. Because if she sang it, it would be... Sweet dreams are made of these. Who am I to disagree? Everybody's looking for someone. You know, it would be as bad as that. Because she can't sing. She can't sing. She's past her modelling day. She certainly can't sing. Anyway, somebody says it was very bad. And when she was singing live, it was very obvious. Because she can't sing. She can't hold a note at all. And uh, luckily, the theatre, a source close to her, said uh, Katie has a backing track during the first half of the show to preserve her voice. To preserve her voice. Well, for what? Future events and, you know, theatre tours and things. There were concerns about her losing her voice over the... Please, God, it couldn't happen, could it? We couldn't be that lucky. Not only could she not win the lottery, but she might actually lose her voice. What a brilliant thing. Anyway, today's her last chance, because Anita Dobson, a proper actress, takes over. And she'll be fantastic, because Anita Dobson is brilliant. Katie Price is a ne'er-do-well. And uh, soon out, the better. I don't know why any parents would ever want to book tickets to see any show with her in. I mean, I just, I just can't understand it at all. Dreadful about the flooding, says Noreen. Uh, my aunt in Blackpool had her roof damaged in the storms. It was terrible. I, do, I mean, I'm looking at pictures... And people who at, uh, at one time were going, oh, isn't it lovely? Look, the river's flowing past the end of our garden. Oh, look, the river's in the sitting room. And in it comes. And then, and, you know, so people are moving stuff upstairs. And, in, you know, in some of the places, it's absolutely dreadful. And then they, what they do, they get a picture of some bloke standing up to his waist in water. You think, you, you've got to be careful with this. You could be swept away by this stuff. It is so dangerous. Nobody understands, do they? How many times have we had stories in the papers of kids in Blackpool, they've had a skinful in a club, they go onto the beach, pitch dark, they think it's great fun, all look, running in and out of the surf, oops, dragged out to sea. Next thing, they have to recover bodies. And you've got people having their pictures taken, you know, as waves crash over them. And then you look at the picture on the Daily Mail of the scene in the West Yorkshire town of, I think it's called Mytholmroyd. And it's a lovely, 
northern town. I mean, it, it would, for us who live in London, this would be the epitome of boys from the black stuff and that kind of thing. They've got water in, in their houses. In their houses, they've got water. I mean, it's the worst floods in decades. You don't think this is the start of some dreadful act of God, do you? That we're going to get fire, fire, flood and pestilence and things like that. I mean, that could be... I mean, really. I mean, one hotel, they've cleared out four times. And each time they've had to reinstall the inflatable boats in the lounge because that's the only way you can get around. It's absolutely terrible. I mean, we are so grateful here in London that we've got the Thames barrier and we don't really have flooding. Well, I say we don't have flooding. All this water's got to come down. But all the people who get affected in London are out at Walton, which is up the road from me, but luckily far enough away for it not to affect me. And I'm always, strangely, being Piscean, attracted to water. But, yeah, I don't really want this kind of water. That You imagine, you've just decorated. You imagine trying to get insurance after the second time, fourth time, no chance at all. Not good news. Quarter to seven. Christmas on LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Twelve minutes to, uh, to seven. Every year, and without fail, I mean, you can almost guarantee, can't you, there will be pictures of people going to the sales. In the same way, you'll always have pictures of jolly fat ladies at the Notting Hill Carnival wearing a policeman's helmet. Uh, and at Christmas, you'll always get the pictures of parents who treat children to excesses. And, uh, and I don't have any problem with that. You would have thought I would have done. The problem I don't have is, the problem I have is with them telling you that they've had excesses. And it just makes them look incredibly dumb and incredibly stupid. And here is a couple here. Uh, they've got uh, twins, Isabella and Jacob. And one of them is trying to eat a bauble off the Christmas tree, which is great if you didn't sort of kind of realise that it's got glitter in it, which can do them immense damage. But anyway, their parents spent £25,000 on their gifts. These are two little children, and they're, they're ten months old. Ten months old, and their parents have spent 25000 Now, as I say, I couldn't care less if they spend a million. It just makes the parents look really the dumbest of the dumb. Why would you spend £25,000? I mean, and then tell people about it. It just makes you look stupid. So, this woman says here, it was definitely a success. It was worth the 25000 for all of us. For us, it was all money well spent. She's, she's the founder of something. And he apparently is the star of TV Storage Hunters UK, one of the worst programmes I've ever seen on the television. It's got the dumbest people on there. They really are dumb. And this woman here, she says, we are surprised about how much they enjoyed it. I can't wait for their first birthday. They also bought one of the little girls an electric Bentley. I mean, Louis said Jacob wanted to eat his diamonds. Are they, I mean... Are these people in the real world or something? Why would you want to tell people that you, you've made yourself look incredibly dumb and stupid? Perhaps they are thick. Perhaps they really are thick. As I say, I don't care with people spending money on their if they want to. But don't flaunt it in front of people. That just looks really embarrassing. That's like poor old Tyson Fury. There's a dimwit and his, uh, and his uh, bimbo wife. And here she is. I mean, honestly, I love the way she looks adoringly at him. Especially when you think he cheated with somebody else. And uh, they spent 20 hours getting home from Germany. He is a bit of a simpleton, isn't he, really? But he did go to duty-free, which is nice. And uh, uh, they didn't want to spend very much money on it. Considering we're always being told, oh, yeah, he's, uh, he's going to be earning 10 million quid. Uh, let's wait and see it, shall we, first of all? Gordon Ramsay is opening a fish and chip shop in Las Vegas. Do you think they're going to understand fish and chips, the Americans? Or do you think it's wasted on them? Fish and chips. The only thing not rationed in the war. Fish and chips, the only thing not rationed in the war. And uh, I missed the programme on Scylla Black. But I did see... What did I see? I saw a programme about Dad's Army. And I quite liked it. 
I quite liked it, because I've interviewed Jimmy Perry some years ago, and um, he said to me, he said that when they did the first scripts for Dad's Army, they didn't get paid very much money at all. On the repeats, it's worth a fortune. A fortune. Provided, because he was talking to uh, Arnold Ridley, who wrote The Ghost Train. I've got an original theatre poster from Arnold Ridley's The Ghost Train. And um, and Jimmy Perry, in the context of this uh, of this programme, says, you know, you must have made, I'd like your royalties for The Ghost Train. He said, there aren't any. He said, I had to sell them years ago to pay people off. He used to have a film studio. And uh, that would have been worth some money. That would have been worth some money, but uh, but not anymore, I'm afraid. But Jimmy Perry must be worth a small fortune. The amount of success that they had. The amount of success. And uh, Joanne says, I remember Elton with his first one, Tumbleweed Connection. But it's, isn't it funny that you don't see the publicity for Elton in the papers nowadays? Is it because people just see him as somebody who tours Vegas purely for the money? It can't be anything else. I'm assuming that he has to do all the hits in Vegas, because that's what people know him from. I remember when he played with, um, was it the Beach Boys over here? And the Beach Boys and Elton John played, and I think Elton John played his new album, and the crowd were really disappointed. They wanted to hear the hits, so as long as he lives, he's got to be playing, you know... I don't don't think he does Candle in the Wind. I think that's the only one he doesn't do anymore, because of the Diana references. And, um, but he he does all all the other stuff. Funeral for a friend, love lies bleeding, etc., etc. But uh, it's a case of now he's 68. Is he going to get back in the charts at 68? I mean, what have we got at the top of the charts at the moment? Not Justin Bieber. We've got an NHS choir. An NHS choir. Because Justin Bieber, in some stroke of creative genius, said, listen, don't buy my record, buy this one. It's for charity. And I thought that was the best bit of public... Everybody said exactly the same. Everybody said exactly the same. That, um... But that was the best bit of publicity he could ever have done, could ever have done. Jonathan says there was a whole gang of car insurance fraudsters found guilty and in prison last week, all doing fake whiplash and rear-end claims. I think they got four years. Do you remember that um, bus route in Birmingham where they were having a lot of trouble with it? Because it turned out, because what you have is you get, you get uh, crooked drivers. And in this one, what they were doing is staging whiplash. So a car would pull in front of the bus, brake, the bus in on the act, would crash into the back of it, passengers would claim whiplash. You know, which of course is, as I say, 99.9% are fraudulent. So on this particular route, car pulls in, bus driver brakes into the back of the car, 32 people claimed whiplash. 32 people claimed whiplash. How many people were on the bus? Six. Six people were on it. They checked the cameras. The rest of them were just made up. They were frauds. They were fraudulent. And, you know, the insurance companies can't be bothered. They just pay people out on whiplash. And yet we all know people with whiplash are liars. You know, very rarely is whiplash genuine. Very rarely. Very rarely. Uh, did you see the most expensive Christmas? No, I didn't. I didn't see it. I know, I know what it would be. It would be people who spend 25,000 quid on a bauble. People who spend, you know, sort of this and that. It'll sort of be the Ecclestons, wouldn't it? Be Tamara Eccleston, you know, a woman with no sense of value whatsoever. But, of course, and then flaunting it to people. You know, I've got loads of money. I can afford to have the house decorated. Here's my million pound this, million pound. And nobody cares. Nobody cares. You know, you can't take it with you when you die. And when she dies, she won't be trying to take it with her because it won't ever happen. How will the people, says Christine, recover from this horrendous flooding? Uh, No concert for that. I don't know what they're going to do, actually, about the flooding. I mean, the government should have pumped more money into this years ago. This is not the first time it's happened. They make out like this is all some big surprise. 
Thousand and five inches of rain in a day. Five inches of rain. The rivers swell. The ground is so sodden it can't take any more water. So it just sits on the top and then it turns into a torrent. You know, it's it's absolutely desperate. And what are they doing? Well, I don't know what the government are doing at the moment. I really don't know. Uh, what happened to the uh, Alan Carr show? The Christmas special was awful. Do you know what we, we discovered the other day? I knew it, but uh, but my, my family didn't know. They didn't know that Jules Holland's Hoot Nanny programme for New Year's Eve was pre-recorded. It's pre-recorded middle of December. And they said no. But they all sing Old Lang Syne. I said, yeah, it's pre-recorded. I don't think Jules Holland has ever done a live programme. And the reason being is because you couldn't time it down, so it worked perfectly. It would have to... It's bad enough where they do a live EastEnders. And so Hoot Nanny, with him, you know, trying to, uh, trying to get it all timed out with groups would be impossible, so they pre-record it, then they can edit it. They were all terribly disappointed yesterday. Uh, anyway, uh, it was all for One Direction and uh, other people both mimed over auto-tune. Well, you can't mime over auto-tune. You, you, you either sing with auto-tune. You can't mime over it because auto-tune is a programme. In other words, you sing into your microphone. So a whole new world becomes a whole new world. And it, it, it sounds as perfect as that. And that's, that's the nearest thing you're going to get, OK? And so when they're all singing, you know, she's singing a whole new world. It's it really coming out of the speakers. A whole new world. <laughs> Doesn't quite sound as if... You can't imagine, actually, Katie Price having any sex appeal whatsoever, can you? She's about as sexy as a, as a, as a tube of cuprinol, you know, and that's, that's... I don't know, sometimes it can be quite sexy. But I'm not trying to think of something that can be sexy. Nobody ever says, nobody ever says, Quah, Katie Price, do they? Nobody ever, nobody's ever said that. Mind you, they've never said that about Cheryl, have they? Old Spagbol. They look at her and they go, Whoo... Must be like going with a deck chair. And, you know, it's sort of, it's roughly the same kind of thing. It's just bones, isn't it? It's just bones. In fact, there were probably less bones in our turkey this year. And nobody ever says about Victoria Beckham. They never go, poor Victoria Beckham, eh? They, they do that for Dave, but they don't do it for... I mean, she must feel really, really left out at times. Everybody going, um, uh, Dave, would you like to model pants? Uh, Victoria, would you like to put a bin liner on and stand in the corner? OK, be a, be a rubbish sack today. Today you can be a rubbish sack. I wonder what her singing's like. I'll tell you what you want, what you really, really want. I'll tell you what you want, what you really... Because if you watch her on that video, she hardly features. She stands at the back and she does posing, but she never actually, they never actually let her sing, which is probably wise, actually, I think. But um, a little bit... You do get that, actually. You do get a lot of miming on television programmes. I don't think the... Um, who was it? It was that group. Uh, it wasn't... Oh, there was one group, and they had a hit with Venus. There were three of them. Three girls, and Venus was a cover version they did. And Venus was her name. She's got it. Oh, baby, she's got it. I'm your Venus. I'm your fire. Heart desire. And it was a girl group. Siobhan, I think, might have been in them, or something like that. There were three girls, I remember. Bananarama. Bananarama. What a name for a group. What should we call them? The Apricots. No. The Apples? No. Kiwi Fruit? No. Bananarama. Well, isn't that amazing? And so they never sang live in their life, I don't think. Every time I saw them on a show, they were miming. And I know because I saw them twice on the Des O'Connor show. And they were miming, and at one point they forgot the words, so they had to stop and start again. But the audience were made up of pensioners, and they didn't know the song anyway, so it didn't make any difference. You know, what are they singing? I don't, don't know. Something about penis or something? I don't know. It's all very worrying. Anyway, so, coming out to the... Uh, 
can't believe we said that on a Sunday. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, the 27th of December, let's just go to church, shall we? We might as well just hold our hands up today and say, listen, dear Lord, if you're up there listening, no more water, please. No more water. Can you please spare a thought for Cumbria? Spare a thought for up north? I mean, they've had it bad anyway. But uh, this is about as much as they ever want. They don't want anything else. They don't want anything else. Uh, all the staff at a children's hospital in London. I don't know the hospital, so I can't mention it. I would need to check out uh, what it was, Niall, because I don't know it. I've never heard of that hospital at all. And I thought I'd heard of most hospitals. And um, why would millionaire Tyson Fury's wife look at him adoringly, says Joanne. <laughs> I don't know, actually. I don't know. I suppose because uh, he sort of saw and loved her and she wanted to be a doormat. Didn't do anything about when he cheated, did she? Bit of a shame there. Uh, coming up very shortly, news at seven o'clock this morning. So um, Katie Hopkins is going to be here later. You'll know when she comes into the studio, all of a sudden, everything freezes. It's like there are icicles hanging down. She walks and she, it's like frozen. It's, uh, you know, she goes through and the icicles form over the door and, and we all sit there in the blizzard. <sighs> And storms come through the building and the the snow piling up by the windows. And then in she comes. In she comes on her broomstick. And she's into the building and she settles by one of the desks. And all of a sudden, sweetness and light. And she uh, turns on the charm. And we're all lovely and gorgeous. And she's going to be here after Stig Abel this morning, who is definitely here because I've just seen him a short while ago. Uh, Still to come, Barbara Windsor to be made a dame. Uh, Cheryl's Majest's marriage sunk by language barriers. Uh, Get lean in 2016. They found another diet guru. You can tell they found them because they give them stupid names. Anton Deck by royal appointment. And Big Brother. It's Big Brother Rehab this year because they've all got issues. All of that and more after the news. On Steve Allen on LBC. Certainly is. Welcome to Sunday, the 27th of December. It's still Christmas as far as I'm concerned. Most of you do not go back until the 4th of January, which means that you'll have seen in New Year with LBC, we'll have had New Year's Day together, and uh, I'll have had a show at the Magic Circle, and then we enter 2016. Barbara Windsor will be going to be a dame been long overdue, long overdue. She'll be very happy with that. Uh, The Big Brother Rehab programme will have started. As I say, most of them appear to have drug or alcohol issues. This apparently makes good television viewing. I don't quite see it. Um, The top of the, uh, and the flops of the year's television, there's been some highs, some lows. The money you're spending in a... Did I hear correctly that, um, was it Selfridges took two million pounds in the first hour? Two million quid! Good grief! That's absolutely unbelievable. It makes you wonder what it takes in the whole day, doesn't it? If it takes £2 million in an hour in Selfridges. You must have more money than sense nowadays. Apparently, the frenzy so far, you've spent £3.74 billion. Where are you getting it from? I thought people were pleading poverty. I thought everybody was saying the same things and going, haven't got any money this year, can't afford to do this, can't afford to do that. And yet you look at the people queuing for the sales, fighting over things. Mind you, they all look as though they're so badly dressed, these people who go to the sales. They're obviously not classy people. It's obviously a chav thing, isn't it? It's obviously chav, is it? Can't be anything else. It must be benefits they're spending. Can't be anything else. I mean, how else were they? You look at these people here. They're wearing... You think, perhaps you're shopping for clothes. Because most of them can't... And they want to be photographed going to the sales. I never bother. I seriously... I don't think I've ever queued up for anything in my life. I remember going once to a... I don't get A TGI Friday's. And it was three quarters empty at Piccadilly Circus. And there's me and a friend standing there. And you have to stand behind a little rope, because you've been naughty. And you stand there and they go, Hello, table for how many? And I, I want to say 36, but the coach can't find anywhere to park. But I don't say that. 
I go, just two, trying to look beseechingly, hoping she'll give us a nice table. And I've done it before in places where they go, I'll put you over here. I said, I don't want to sit there. I want to sit here. Oh, well, somebody might be sitting there later. Yes, me, dear. Me. I'm sitting there, OK? I've been known to turn around and walk out again. Seriously, I can't, I can't be bothered to faff around. You know, they go there and we'll, we'll put you on the furthest table away. We went to one place in Covent Garden for breakfast. There's two of us. The table is about the size of, a, of an iPhone. You know, and on this you're supposed to get two cups of coffee and two plates. In the end, I was balancing plates on my hand, putting them on the seat next to me. Nowhere to put your coat. And then they go, we need the table back at 9.30. I thought, darling, you'll have it back a lot quicker than you think. Uh, names that are dying out. The, if you're one of these names, these, these names are dying out now. People are not calling their children Ian. Not calling them Darren either. Gregory. Gregory's very out. Only 21 babies were called Gregory in 2015. Terry is dying out. I've got a friend called Terry. Daryl, dying out. 14 babies in 2015 were called Daryl. Grahams, Russells, Donald, Derek and Rodneys. Rodneys. Only two babies in 2015 were called Rodney. Girls' names that are in danger. If you're called Helen, it's not looking promising. Claire, Tina, Joanne, Kelly, Sally, Karen, Susan, Dawn and number one, Janet. Only seven babies were called Janet in 2015. And they were transgender. So it's a difficult thing, isn't it? Because sometimes, because they also might have been Rodneys. Rodneys who became Janets. I mean, I don't know. People get all sorts of different names now. Uh, Papers full of flooding. Full of flooding today. You can't move for either flooding pictures or a river of tears. One pub that literally just vanished. One minute it was there, the next minute this water, and you look at it surging away. I mean, you know, the help needs to pour in. We, we do it for everybody else. If this was abroad, we'd be digging our hands in our pockets, wouldn't we? And is, is anybody bothered by it? We put the pictures in there, and people like me go, isn't this absolutely terrible? It's, it's dreadful. And then we go, OK, so on to the other things, the sales. And you kind of forget about these poor people who are having to put up with this stuff and, and really having to put up with it. I feel terribly sorry for them, but I don't know what... I think it's up to the government to do it. I really do. And uh, 84850, steve at uk, And uh, another one here, very quickly. And this says... Uh, oh, actually, other, we, uh, we had the, the hospital, actually. Uh, I never knew that uh, the Jules Hootenanny programme was recorded. What a surprise, says Sharon. Yes, yes. Jules Holland's programme, pre-recorded. Middle of December, they do it so that they can then put a, put a programme in... And it's and and so they they can time it out because otherwise it'd be a nightmare. Because I was explaining to my godchildren how they record a program uh, like that. It's called. It's done in real time. I can do it here. I I can do an interview which could be transmitted on this program on a Sunday morning. And if I started the interview at say seven o'clock in the morning, I can I can do ad breaks and everything. It's quite an easy thing to do. So on television, they would start start the clock at say twelve or at eleven, and they go, okay, ready studio, and they've got to start dead on. Okay, cue titles. Then they go into the thing, and then they at the end of it, they've got their program. Then they can edit down in case any of the groups forget what they're doing or can't remember it. We were playing that Guitar Hero thing over the weekend. Which is it's some computer game. I have no idea what it is. And apparently you have to keep up with the group on stage doing different songs. And if you get it wrong, you can't keep up. The crowd start booing you. The crowd turn around and boo, and they hold up signs, you suck, and all this kind of stuff. And then it's real, real people. So it must be green screen. I don't know how they've done it. It's very clever. That uh, really went over my head completely. I was, I'm not really interested in stuff like that. I see that uh, former heavyweight champion David Hayes' marriage is in trouble. Uh, he and his wife have not been pictured for two years. 
Do you know, apparently more marriages split up during Jules Holland's Nanny show. Apparently that's the show that people split up to. It's interesting, isn't it? I wouldn't have known that. I would not have known that. And Piers says, I've heard you mention the flooding. It's terrible. In some points, five feet deep. He said, uh, I would send you photos, but it won't uh, let me from your page. Oh, it will, actually. You can send photos here, absolutely. Oh, yes, I get photos all the time. I was getting photos of, uh, of, um, of sort of snow in Canada and all sorts of things. Why would it take 20 hours to tie, for Tyson Fury to come back from Germany? Walking on the wing, I suppose. I don't know what he was... Who knows? It just takes that long. I suppose because he's sort of... He's a bit bizarre. But as I say, I always think it's so lovely when you see the wife and they're obviously trying to mend their broken marriage. Well, I say broken marriage. He obviously didn't think it was broken, but she didn't know what was going on and didn't have any other choice in it. I don't think you find many divorces in traveller families. I don't think you do. Uh, what else we got? Oh, David Beckham. Another story of David Beckham. Look, two in the papers already. Not even into the new year. He's added a jag to his fleet of supercars. Have you ever seen him driving a car? Have you ever? Come on, put your hands up. Put them down. You've never seen him driving a car. He drives motorbikes because he's butch. And he gets out there on his bike and he goes down, room, 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 room to the gym and like that. And then he gets an ice cream afterwards. But uh, he doesn't. Uh, I've never seen him driving cars. So he can have 50 luxury cars as far as I'm concerned. Elton John. Uh, they say his publicist got the boot. His publicist um, did not get the boot at all. Gary Farrow resigned. Gary Farrow quit. He didn't get the boot at all. Um, they say he was axed because the 68-year-old singer with the dead hamster on his head was so desperate that he was being left behind and he wanted to be like David Bowie and Rod Stewart. I mean, Gary Farrow worked his so-and-so off for 35 years. So he's now been replaced with Murray Chalmers, whose clients include Kylie Minogue, Robbie Williams and Noel Gallagher. I'm sorry, does that kind of ring true? Noel Gallagher, Robbie Williams, Kylie and Elton John. God, Elton, is that the best you can manage? You're going to be out on a limb very shortly, very shortly. Still trying to wait, uh, work out what is uh, holding back Janet Jackson. Uh, also, the shock of the year, Sam Smith recording the 007 theme tune, although I thought it was quite nice. Uh, David Walliam's marriage breakup. We never quite got to the bottom of that, did we? Why did that marriage split up? Is it because he's intensely irritating? I saw him doing a quiz on the television. It might have been with Stephen Mulhern. And he just couldn't stop showing off. It was like being on a programme with Peter Kay. It really, really dreadful. Uh, Charlie Sheen's HIV revelations. And uh, then we had um, uh, Justin Bieber, who was so shocked that he was captured nude as he walked naked out onto a, onto a balcony. And as uh, Hollywood's gearing up for the Oscars, I wonder whether or not Best Actor could go to... Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne plays a transgender person in his uh, latest film. He also goes full frontal nude, just in case you were interested in seeing. Because some people like that, aren't they? There must be a whole gallery of sort of, you know, famous uh, actors and actresses who've appeared nude in films. Eddie Redmayne, the latest to appear naked in his uh, film. Uh, the Evelina Hospital is in the grounds of St Thomas's, so uh, that's good. There's the bushfires says Barry, back home. But you get those all the time, don't you, bushfires? You've only got to get a bit of sort of dry weather. And that is the, uh, that is the problem. Um, Steve, my mum saw Dave, Victoria and all the boys in a Land Rover with Dave driving in Chelsea. Oh, right. Adrian says, read TGI Fridays. I can't stand it when you ask for a booth. And they say, we haven't got any free yet. There's ten or more, but we haven't opened that section. And then they open it. I don't want to sit on a kitchen chair. I quite like. We went to the one underneath here. 
thought it was quite good, actually. I didn't think it was very expensive. I thought it was quite reasonable for what it was. And uh, the service, I thought, was exemplary. You know, it's nice when, when somewhere's new and they're all jumping up and down and they're all very happy. I like that. But uh, I didn't realise that you have to book a booth. I love it. No, we haven't opened that section. Well, open it. Open it now. Get the manager. Come on, get the manager. Open the booth. Why can't you open it? Um, we haven't uh, got anybody to work that. Well, she can work it. There's nobody here. Come on. Pull your fingers out, for goodness sake. That's all it takes, isn't it? Uh, 84850, steve at And uh, so I've never actually... I'm just going to try that one, actually. I'm going to try asking for a booth in TGI Fridays. That sounds quite good fun. It's uh, quarter past seven. <laughs> I all these little messages from people who are currently with their feet up, eating, you know, satsumas and toffee. God, if I've eaten one toffee... No, it's actually not toffees. But if I've eaten one sweet this year, I've eaten 100. It's nice to see that with all this flooding going around the UK, there are 100 members of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Organisation who are tirelessly assisting victims of flooding, and there's pictures of them up online. So well done to them. Well done to them for getting out there and doing something. So a hundred members of the uh, Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Organisation, uh, well done, tirelessly assisting. Isn't that nice that people get out there and do things? Honestly, I feel so blooming useless down here. The Environment Agency have warned you, if you're driving in areas affected by flooding, steer clear of flood water. I know you think it's really big and clever, but 30 centimetres of water will float your car. OK, 30 centimetres. That's not a great deal. Not a great deal. So um, so just be careful. Years ago, you'd wanted to do it, wouldn't you? You'd go, oh, let's drive through this, you know. Nowadays, it's too dangerous. Do not risk it. Do not risk it. But I know people will, and um, and I know that lots and lots of people will be out there doing their bit, trying to help. Meanwhile, over in the television, we had one of the worst programmes we'd ever seen. Poor BBC Two, who decided to invest about threepence halfpenny in abs on the Christmas farm. Yes, poor old Abs, who is Abs' love now. The boy from Enfield, what talks like he's from, you know, he's from, like, the city, and he talked like this all the time. And you can't quite understand what he's saying, because he's a bit of a simpleton. He's got no money, and so this ageing boy bander, Abs, uh, sort of tries to live off the land on a, re- a remote Welsh smallholding. Unfortunately, he's too thick to actually manage even that. Uh, in the end... Um, he decides to put his ancient Brit Award on eBay to raise some money. And believe it or not, within a short space of time, he gets £1.2 million. Unfortunately, they're all fraudulent. As I pointed out on the programme at the time, nobody is going to be buying a Brit Award, whether it's abs or anybody else, for £1.2 So, consequently, eBay took it down. Then it was put up a week later, and the trophy attracted nothing at all. Unfortunately... It gets worse. Poor little abs. His chickens get eaten. And uh, the likeable loser size, Da Fox, outwitted me. Outfoxed, surely. After his charming girlfriend, Vicky, expresses her doubts, abs defiantly insists it's working. Slight pause. OK, it's not really working, but we're pretending it's working. And so the disaster unfolds. Poor soul, honestly. Rubbish in the music world. Rubbish on the land. Rubbish at just about everything. Poor old Ab's love. It's not of this planet, ladies and gentlemen. However, it was all good over at Downton Abbey. Well, I thought it was, because I love anything to do with Downton. I can't believe it's finished. I wanted it to come back. It got, um, it got some fantastic, some fantastic viewing figures. The Queen got fantastic viewing figures. After all the people on LBC saying, oh, no, she's outdated, she should be representing multi-faith. I thought, why should she be mentioning multi-faith? 
Nobody else does it. Why should she, why should the Queen have to do it? She's head of the uh, head of the Christian Church. Goodness sake. Uh, also, Tony Beak and Rob Brydon were they separated at birth? I hope not, uh, because Tony Beak is that fake on the television. He, he calls himself Anton Dubeck, but he's Tony Beak, and he's a bit creepy. And uh, and Rob Brydon's just a nice person. The Apprentice had its worst ever final. Another bunch of fraudulent people who sort of give it the talk, but can't actually give it anything else. Uh, and then there was Doctor Who, and as I never bothered with Doctor Who, I decided to flip over and watch something even more interesting. And this is uh, Master Chef, The Professionals, and Greg Wallace, The Usual Disaster, the greengrocer who had delusions of grandeur, and the delusions were taken away from him. The poor man can't present for toffee. Nobody liked him on Twitter at all, and um, the only people who like him are the BBC bosses. Everybody else can't stand him. Odd that, isn't it? I don't know why. Uh, we like the idea that Gordon Ramsay's opening fish and chips in Vegas. A boiling hot, and you're going to eat fish and chips. Are you serious? Boiling hot. It must be one of those takeaway things, mustn't it? Can't see it. I mean, do you think they'll understand fish and chips? I'm hoping so. Because I, I like fish and chips occasionally. I really do. Um, and uh, we would never enter the Big Brother house. This is dreary old uh, Rylan and uh, Emma, who's quite nice. What she's doing hanging around with him, I've got no idea. She's a professional. He's just uh, a professional idiot, I'm afraid. Ghastly. Uh, the bargain's in the sales, why you would worry. And, uh, and the David Beckham son, Romeo. Reveals he wants to be a champion skateboarder. Riversing! Well, there you go. That's an ambition and a half. He's 13. He's told his dad he prefers skateboarding to football. Wooey! Who cares? Who cares? Nobody cares. Uh, over in Celebrity Big Brother, remember the Nazi fanatic, Tila Tequila? She's going to get to keep her money. And the reason is, she hadn't actually done anything. Uh, she was dropped when her racist past was revealed. Uh, red-faced Channel 5 bosses demanded the return of the cash, but she exploited a contractual loophole, so she gets to keep it. So it's very controversial. Somebody who supports Nazi views gets to keep money from Channel 5. I wonder whether we'll be having sort of our first, you know, get me out of here, I'm about to commit suicide on the programme, because most of the ones going in at the moment, you know, it really is, it's that we've scraped the barrel on this one. Daniela Westbrook. I mean, who cares? Nobody's interested in Daniela Westbrook. Nobody was ever interested in Daniela Westbrook, apart from her drug dealers. And then they decided, Nancy Delusional. Well, no money at all. She, she'll do just about anything, really. And, uh, as I say, she couldn't even sell tickets for a little tiny venue in London. Darren Day had his own issues with drugs. Vanilla Ice. I seriously didn't even know he was around still. Uh, Christina Rianoff. Oh, God, how dull. Uh, Paul Dannon. Oh, I thought he just made yoghurts and advertised them on the television, but it turns out that's not him at all. Koo Stark, who they go, oh, that'll be good, she'll tell you stories of Prince Andrew. No, she won't. In fact, she'll be the most boring person you've ever seen in your life, and old-looking. She's not looked after herself at all. Spencer Matthews, that's the steroid boy, uh, and actor Don Partridge. Now, strangely enough, no mention here of Gemma the Hutt Collins. We were looking forward to seeing Gemma having another one of her famous breakdowns, seeing as she could only last about a couple of hours before she suddenly realises, I don't need to do this, I can get the money anyway. And that's what she does. And then she'll have to make up something about giving it to charity, and we'll all go, you'll give it to charity then. But uh, she's neither fun nor interesting nor entertaining. So I think the, uh, the thing is we have to lose her. Katie Hopkins has revealed plans to head across the pond. I don't know whether that's the duck pond or the pond they call the water to go down with the Yanks. You see, they, they, will, they will probably like her, but they do have feisty women over there. They had Joan Rivers, 
You know, but Joan Rivers was a comedian, and she could sort of weave it in to being a comedian. I don't know whether or not Katie Hopkins could do the comedian bit. And they do have lots and lots of people, but she could do a show. She could do a show. You know, she certainly writes well. That's what people like, actually. Biggest flop of the year uh, was Spencer Matthews. Silly little show-off Spencer Matthews, who we couldn't quite work out, and stories emanated back from the jungle that he was having nightmares, and I immediately went, I think he's on drugs, and we weren't wrong. It was steroids. Yes, he'd been taking steroids in an effort to build himself up. Uh, But, of course, being the prize idiot, Spencer Matthews had to leave the jungle and then sort of disappear mainly back to Mummy and Daddy's little place in Nottinghamshire, I think it is, and uh, start explaining to the family why he's such a loser. It's embarrassing, really, isn't it? Because when I was watching Made in Chelsea the other day, I suddenly realised poor old Jamie Lang is about the size of a charm on a bracelet. He's not exactly blessed with height and sort of is so desperate to be people's friends and so they've got somebody coming back. He seemed quite nice, actually, who was back from South Africa and they bought a tree. But the rest of it's just the girls discussing who they've slept with, mainly Spencer Matthews. But there again, the ste- that would explain, you see, Spencer Matthews' mood swings on the programme. That would explain it quite well. That would be drugs. What an idiot. What a prize buffoon. Uh, also this week, uh, they say Kim Kardashian and Kanye West stole the headlines. But showbiz couple of the year for James Ingham's page uh, is apparently Mark Wright and Michelle Keegan. Why does Mark Wright always look fairly scary when he smiles? She's just, you know, average sort of pop bimbo tartlet kind of thing. And he just looks slightly peculiar in jackets that don't fit properly. But that seems to be indicative of most men from Essex. Good news. Ryan Giggs and brother Rodri will finally bury the hatchet, which I was quite pleased about because that's gone on way too long. But the bad news is, well, apart from the good news that Barbara Windsor is going to be made a dame, and that is very good news, uh, Christopher Biggins is going to quit playing the dame after four decades. He's decided that he's going to give it up. He's going to bring down the stage career. He says at 67, he's finding the schedule too tough. However... Before you go into deep depression and mourning, I can tell you he signed for three more years. So he's not finishing until he's 70. And so he's currently starring in Aladdin in Nottingham. His, uh, his dame is legendary. There was only another... Uh, I've seen some very good dames in my time. Jack Tripp was, uh, was one of them. Les Dawson was a very, very good dame. Uh, Arthur Askey was a good dame. Biggins, I've seen on... Numerous occasions. He's a fabulous dame. He really is. He's, he's very, very good indeed. And I think this year, I think, um, who is playing dame? Somebody is playing dame. Roy Hudd, I think, is playing dame over at Wilton's. I'm pretty certain. I don't think he's played dame before. He's very good. He turned up in the, um, the programme about Dad's Army. He was playing uh, Bud Flanagan. Who do you think you are kidding, Mr Hitler? Uh, Maxine Carr in the papers. Not very interesting, so we sort of dispensed with that one. And um, what have we got here? Oh, Telly's wackiest new show. What is Telly's wackiest new... Ooh, can't wait for this one, Steve. What is Telly's wackiest new show? And uh, this one is uh, it's got celebrities going head-to-head. Comic Jimmy Fallon pitted stars against each other in limp-sync battles on his chat show. Uh, now you've got Spice Girl Mel B... And Professor Green. Oh, God, your credibility's completely disappeared. Doing a game show, dear? What are you thinking of? I thought you was like street and, you know, you do a rap and a, and a game show. That's all sequins and campery. On the television, where's it? God, oh, dear, you've lost credibility, haven't you, dear? Professor Green. What's his real name? Stephen somebody, isn't it? Stephen Elliot. Elliot Gleave. 
Who's Stephen, then? Is that another one? Is that somebody else got the name? Elliot Gleave is Professor Green. Is it really? No, it's... That's somebody else. No, it's... That's example. It's Stephen somebody, isn't it? I'm sure it's Stephen somebody. I'm very rarely wrong on things. Well, you know, occasionally I'm proved wrong. But um, they say he's going to be very popular. Unfortunately, they've got... um, They've got this on. And who have they put on it? David Walliams. Oh, God. I mean... Stephen Manderson. I knew I was fairly right with Stephen. But anyway, he's here, but I mean, poor old Stephen Manderson. What credibility have you got now, dear, apart from tattoos up your neck? Oh, blimey. Let's see how wooden he can become on the programme. Mel Mel will be very good, because she's got the experience. He's got no experience at all. No experience. But at least we get to see regular pictures of his girlfriend, or wife, who's called Millie McIntosh. I know. Sad, isn't it, really? 7.30. Christmas on LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to 8, Sunday morning, looking at these dreadful pictures Piers sent me from Sowerby Bridge. He said we're trying to put a fundraiser concert on to help as well. And it's pictures of cars. I mean, one of them is, I should imagine the interior must be completely flooded. I wonder, actually, I've often thought about that. I was always told the only car that was actually hermetically sealed when the doors were closed was a VW. You know, like a, a Bond... Uh, not a Bond bug, but, you know, um, a Herbie kind of car. That's the only ones I were told were hermetically sealed. I began to wonder, actually, if my car got flooded, whether or not the water would be inside. I'm looking at a Range Rover here, or Discovery, or something like that, and then the water's up above the doors. I mean, it's that bad. People who park downstairs, and then all of a sudden these rivers burst their banks. I mean, some of these people weren't even near the rivers. Weren't even near at all. I'm looking at them in car parks. Sowerby Bridge, and there's a, a picture of the river, and you can see where it goes. And then you can see how much it's flooded over the side. I mean, it's I mean, terrible. I mean, one of them has actually got cones at the back of it. Obviously sort of proving it's, it's fairly dangerous. Fairly dangerous. Even inside the flats, there's water. God damn, I mean, that's just dreadful isn't it absolutely dreadful inside the lift water all of that has got to be drained out and then dried out and that's just how bad it is terrible Piers. really is i've met ab says kate um but um i, I live near him in a place called is it breakfast forest what a fake i've never seen the caravan and the expensive four-wheel drive is ever present he had very high fencing put up uh, who cares? He wants privacy when he courts fame. Well, I mean, I thought he was broke. I thought he was brassic. I mean, it's, uh, he is fake, though. He's from Enfield. What did he talk like this for? What's that from? Where's that from? He went to stage school. Hello? That's a fraud. That's a fraud. And da, 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 Peter says, and um, stupid people up here in Yorkshire have been removing road close signs and driving on, only to get stuck further down the road. I mean, we did have it <coughs> down here when... I think part of the Thames did burst its banks. And it didn't reach the motorway, but you could see it on either side of the road. And and I began to wonder whether or not it would ever recover. It did recover, but you're right. People seem to think that they can drive down. It's people with four-by-fours. And so what they do, it's, I mean, it's the case that diesel cars have the air intake for the engine positioned very low at the front of the car, which reduces noise in the cabin. But it does mean that very shallow, shallow floods get the real risk of water being sucked into the motor. End result? Ruined engine. Police advice, simple. Don't drive unless really necessary. Perhaps if people kept to that. I mean, I used to say, we had a, we've got a thing in uh, Richmond, and uh, probably more Richmond than... It does happen in, in Twickenham as well, where the river rises, the Thames rises. It's generally due to all the water up north, which comes down. And there's a couple of pubs, and there's a couple of places in Richmond where people park. 
uh, because they're too tight to actually put it on a metre. So they park on the slipway where there are no yellow lines. Of course, the end result is that when the tide comes in, and it comes in fairly fast because we're, we're tidal round there, it, they, they get flooded. And all the people who sit in the pubs watch as people's cars slowly disappear under the water. And then you see them coming back and, and we laugh. Because the big area is saying, you know, this area is liable for flooding. You know, do not park your cars here. So if somebody's dumb enough to park their cars there, then we're sort of clever enough to laugh at them. And laugh at them we do. Great news for Barbara Windsor, says Neil. And um, so she's going to be a dame next week. And, of course, the last picture she had taken, I think, would have been with, uh, with Prince Harry, who looks so much better clean-shaven. Do you not agree, everybody? We don't want to see him with a beard. It looks ridiculous. He looks way too old. But uh, Barbara will be very happy. She'll be uh, picking a new outfit out. And uh, who will she take? She'll take Scott, I hope. And probably her agent, Barry, as well. So that'll be nice, won't it? So well done to her. Been a long time coming, hasn't it? Whew, dear me. Uh, from uh, Peter. And uh, another one here. Peter's not happy about people getting honours. He says, uh, what for? Doing a job for which she was well paid? Um no, not really. No, not for that at all. That would be it would be services to charity and stuff like that. And the fact that, you know, she's still going and she still turns out for charities. So that's what it would be for, Peter. That's what it would be for. It is it isn't for services to acting. I mean you can't be that dumb that you would think that. No, it's for it's for it's for not doing anything that she gets paid for. It would be all the charitable work that a lot of people do. You know, people don't necessarily talk about it. There's loads of things that go on that you don't know about, surprisingly. But there again, you know, <laughs> Having read your email, I'm not at all surprised, actually. He does come from Pontefract. What's that famous for? Those little horrible licorice things. Not really exciting, is it? Pontefract in Yorkshire. We don't do anything else. Peter on the subject of uh, the flooding. and say This is another Peter. Says exactly the same. You know, I'm in the middle of this thing, and the pictures and the papers really can't tell you how bad it is. At night time, when there's no lights on around here, that's just about how bad it gets. And people think, oh, we'll drive through this. And then they get stuck in the middle and then somebody's got to come and rescue them. And those people are generally the poor police. David Beckenham thinks the only good thing about the flooding is it'll get rid of those vulgar PVC conservatories. And uh, he talks about the insurance companies. I mean, I shouldn't imagine these people have got insurance anymore. They have, I shouldn't think so. They certainly wouldn't have got it after the first time, would, uh, would they? And uh, Tony says, I've no idea who this abs person is. No, nobody does. Uh, but I do know that Enfield makes Croydon look like Monte Carlo. So not surprised he speaks in the way you suggest. Yeah, but he's white. That's the thing. It's, it's sort of, he's like talking as, you know, he's sort of doing sort of the, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, 84850, Des in Barnet. Uh, you really have, are you on serious medication, Des, or have you just lost the plot completely? Is, does Matron know you're writing out to people? She's going to take your computer away, isn't she? She's going to take your computer away. And if I sort of put a block on you, that means you've got nobody to write to then at all, which is a bit embarrassing, really, for you. Uh, Stanley, uh, the greatest dame ever produced, the one and only Stanley Baxter. Still alive, isn't he, I believe. I believe Stanley Baxter is still alive. Uh, Spare a thought, says Jez, for us in Oz, enduring 35 degrees and having to get out of the pool for yet another refreshing beverage. Lovely. See, actually, that's, I could do things like that. I could do things like that. Uh, George, the Warburton's driver, says, I trust you and the uh, spoilers had a nice Christmas. Good results for Spurs and Arsenal. Yes. Actually, I think it, it, was, all, it was all fairly good over Christmas. I can't think of any downside apart from, apart from the, uh, the people who got flooded, which was just the, the biggest disaster ever. I mean, it's absolutely terrible. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, 
A lot of people talk about the flooding and checking on the fact that they've got relatives up there and a lot of people being affected by it quite badly, actually. Really quite, quite badly. Other stories, front of TV Extra, which comes with the Daily Star. They always put somebody fairly, um, fairly down market on there. And here she is, Catherine Tildesley. Catherine's the one who's got the nose that looks like Concord. And Colleen Rooney. Oh, look, there's a lovely picture. I feel like I've been pregnant for years. I know we feel like you have as well, actually, but it's lovely to see you. <laughs> have you ever heard her speak? No, you don't want to, really. Uh, lots of... Oh, Catherine Tildesley trying to make herself look a bit glam, but it's, uh, it's not really kind of working out at all. Uh, talk about her latest Corrie love story. Why is it these act- actresses in Coronation Street always want to tell you about their dreary stories? It's a soap opera, dear. Somebody else has written it, you learn the lines, you act it, and then you go home. Why do you make such a big deal about it? Nobody cares. Jasmine Wallier, modelling her latest fashions. Unfortunately, she's neither attractive enough or interesting enough to be modelling fashion, but they have to put her on there, because if somebody's on the television, then you can have your own, your own sort of, um, your own sort of line-up of clothes now. Uh, also, Emmerdale actor Jeff Hordley on his favourite things. He says, my nickname is Private. And yet, every so often you get interviews with him. Um, I d- the only thing I know about him is he's diabetic. That's the only thing. He says, uh, my nickname is Private. I've got... Oh, I saw his nickname is Private. He says, I've got one. I don't tell people. I don't want other people knowing it. I wonder what it is, actually. I wonder what it is. But he cried in the opening sequence of the film Up. <coughs> which I thought was quite a good little film. I don't think it was sad. I don't think it was sad. What's sad is that uh, Lily Allen and her husband are living apart, so we are told. And the other story is the Yorkshire Ripper's ex-wife visiting him, him in Broadmoor and the taxpayers paying for it. As far as I'm concerned, the sooner we get him out of Broadmoor and into a proper prison, because he's in there fraudulent, he doesn't need to stay in there at all, he's costing a fortune, stick him in a normal prison and uh, let her pay to go and see him if she really wants to go and see him. Uh, David Beckham... Another David Beckham. Sorry, I'll just have a quick... Uh... There's another David Beckham story. <coughs> Excuse me, just when I thought there wouldn't be. And uh, he tucked into pie and mash on a private jet with a price tag of a 1,000 quid. He was desperate to enjoy his favourite dish. So far from being the ordinary person, Dave flashes the cash. Um, Daniel Hume, who runs the catering company says, a sports star who used to fly back and forth from London whilst based in US wanted pie and mash with green liquor. Cost over a grand. Uh, keeping the food in a decent condition. David, who earns £68 million a year. No, he doesn't. The garbage they feed you in the papers. He doesn't earn £68 million a year uh, with his wife, Victoria. No, they don't. Honestly, the rubbish they feed you. But anyway, there were times David took a private flight and ordered pie and mash. So it's lovely. The picture of him asleep looks about as fake as you're going to get when it comes to uh, fake. And believe it or not, Robbie Williams is not is locked in a new planning row with uh, a neighbour. I don't know. It's always rows, isn't it? It's always this time of year. Rows, rows, blooming rows. Why? I've got no idea. No idea. It just seems this time of year that people want to sort of lose their temper. Oh, look, there's a nice picture of uh, Christina Rianoff out with a photographer. And Ben Cohen. And they went to Winter Wonderland. How lucky to have your own photographer take a picture of you enjoying yourself. Of course, totally ignored by everybody else because they're both unrecognisable. Uh, quarter to eight. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Leading Britain's conversation, Stig Abel. This morning from eight on LBC. We see you next year. Is this the last programme before the new year? Yes, I'm, I'm doing second and third, so I'm doing Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday, right, OK. 
Oh, that's right, because I know where, where Pierce has gone. Yeah. I know where he's gone. Sh- I nearly told you, actually, where he got, suddenly realised. No, so sticks with you just after the news at uh, 8. And uh, he's going to be doing some quite interesting stories. I don't think he's going to be dealing with the floods, because I don't really know what the answer is to the floods. I really don't know. What's this one here? This is interesting. Oh, this is a story of a soldier. It's on the front of the uh, people this morning. Failed by the NHS, who has had to remortgage his home to pay for his new legs. I mean, I can't believe it either. We've got war heroes in this country, and and we don't seem to be looking after them. He says, I put my life on the line for my country. Now I've got to mortgage my home to get better legs. I mean, it is absolutely appalling, isn't it, really? He says, I'm stuck in a wheelchair with my life. He's been pictured with, uh, with Prince Harry. Um, and the armed forces... Charities out. Leading Britain's conversation. Stig Abel. This morning from 8 on LBC. Do we see you next year? Is this the last programme before the new year? Yes, I'm, I'm doing second and third, so I'm doing Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday, right, okay. Oh, that's right, because I know where, where Pierce has gone. I know where he's gone. I'm sh- I nearly told you, actually, where he got suddenly realised. No, so sticks with you just after the news at uh, 8. And uh, he's going to be doing some quite interesting stories. I don't think he's going to be dealing with the floods, because I don't really know what the answer is to the floods. I really don't know. What's this one here? This is interesting. Oh, this is a story of a soldier. It's on the front of the uh, people this morning. Failed by the NHS, who has had to remortgage his home to pay for his new legs. I mean, I can't believe it either. We've got war heroes in this country, and and we don't seem to be looking after them. He says, I put my life on the line for my country. Now I've got to mortgage my home to get better legs. I mean, it is absolutely appalling, isn't it, really? He says, I'm stuck in a wheelchair with my life. He's been pictured with, uh, with Prince Harry. Um, and the Armed Forces Charities out there, Help for Heroes... Is giving Clive, is his name Clive? Yes, is giving Clive and Jen £9,000 to help cover their expenses in Australia. And, uh, I mean, they do have, because you know that Help for Heroes is phenomenally successful. In fact, they don't actually have enough ill soldiers to spend the money on. Their, their surpluses are huge. In fact, I seem to remember somebody saying they, they've got loads of hospital beds waiting, but not enough people to go into them. So when you get something like this, and there are lots of service charities, there are lots of people who are, who are aiming to look after people like this, but for him to have to remortgage his house to get better legs is absolutely shameful. It really is absolutely terrible. I mean, he's taken part in the Invictus Games. He's done, he's done all the right things. He's made all the right noises in the right places. Hopefully, putting him on the front page of the, of the people today will kind of knock a a number of people, to go, wait a minute, how's he fallen off the radar? How's he fallen off the radar? Let's get him sorted out and try and help him out, because that's what I think it... I think that's what you need if somebody's put their life on the lines. Don't you think so? I think so. 84850, steve at uk. We've got uh, enough time to uh, get a few more things in. And um, Helen says, didn't know you were on on, on Sundays. No, only for about the last uh, 18 months, but uh, it doesn't matter. And... Uh, <clears throat> Here, and uh, Sarah's laying on the beach in the Maldives. Crikey. And, uh, and Mary says, very happy, very happy for, uh, for Barbara Windsor. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, all the people that know her will be very, very happy indeed. Absolutely. It's been long, long overdue, long overdue. Uh, pictures of people going mad at the sales. And a couple who, so literally, the, the, the shutters are barely, are barely sort of up. And they're crawling underneath them. But they're so badly dressed. There's a woman here. I mean, seriously, I mean, I'm surprised she's actually got any money. It's, it's just driven. They've got, oh, you could save all this money. But you can only save this money if you need that item. If you don't need it, what's the point of buying it? 
I don't quite understand the excitement of uh, of sales. But there again, I mean, I don't get excited by things like that anymore. I like looking at it. I'm sort of I'm always intrigued by people who do go and do things like that. Uh, Peter Andre to help with his experiments. This is for Tim Peake. Uh, Pete could uh, compare the vacuum of space with the one in Peter's head. Besides, Peter could be useful if we were contacted by aliens, because Peter Andre has already got experience of living with a silicon-based life form. So he could be quite good. I quite like the idea that uh, our astronaut in space, Tim Peake, is still up there. Plus all the uh, the man-new sales pitches. They're all selling their houses. Teams of ex-players. Uh, they've got uh, here uh, somebody called Nanny. Nanny? Nani, something like that. 3.25 million. Wes Brown, 2.95 million. The trouble is, all these footballers have got all these flash houses, but they don't know what to do with them. They've got no idea. Their idea of a flash house up north. I'm looking at uh, Louis Sahar's house, 1.85 million. <laughs> Wouldn't give you 30 pence for it down here, and we're far more selective. Gary Neville's is 3 million. Ghastly. Modern. Modern house. What do they want modern houses for? Why don't they buy something with a bit of bit of character to it? Much nicer. Much nicer. Picture of uh, poor old Fleissen Fury. Sorry, Tyson Fury. I say Fleissen because he was coming back from uh, for Germany. Spent him 20 hours. He did it by road and ferry because he didn't want to fly. Oh, what a wuss. Oh, can't get on a plane. Terrible. So here he is with it. So it took him 20 hours. And he was wearing his obligatory tracksuit. And she was wearing... I don't know what it was, but she's looking at him adoringly. It's a shame it wasn't always like that, as he was cheating with somebody else at the same time. And snapshots here. Jennifer Lawrence, Rochelle Humes. Ha, 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 ha. Every time you get those sort of people together, you do think truck drivers, don't you, really? Uh, Rachel uh, Bletchley is talking... She's just saying, so she's talking about uh, Towie. Uh, Towie's Bobby Norris introduced an item of swimwear. That's the embarrassment from Towie, Bobby Norris, that one. That's the one who's never likely to find anybody to be with because, frankly, he's too dreary. Far too dreary. God, what a boring person. Uh, Cheryl's marriage on the rocks, apparently sunk by the language barrier. But I thought we were told she was learning French, YA. French uh, baguette. It's going to get her a long way, isn't it? He's never there half the time, and she's never there. Because um, she's sort of forging a career. And the trouble is because she's looking so emaciated at the moment. Um, I suspect that'll be the next thing, won't it, that we'll be reading about in the papers. I could just... I could see it now. Uh, Also, Twitter have decided they're going to clamp down on internet trolls. They've had some really bad trolls. And um, they're they're taking serious action now. They've decided it could go no further. So we're going to be seeing, I think in 2016, certainly a lot more court cases of people uh, who they've taken to court and uh, will be naming and shaming because I think once you've named and shamed, you'd be surprised who some of these people are. They're always the most unlikely people. You know, they're, 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 they're never the people who sit there, you know, with their little glasses on, peering over the computer. who probably go to dodgy websites. Uh, they're now a little bit more sophisticated. They're probably, a lot of them are women. So uh, that'll be interesting to see who appears in court this year. Uh, who's this one here? Kimberly Garner. Anybody ever heard of her? No, I've never heard of her. But here she is, out walking with a little tiny Burberry skirt on. She's apparently 25, but dressing like a seven-year-old. And uh, she's, uh, she's got a fella, but his identity has never been revealed. Woo, how exciting. Anyway, she's wearing a little Burberry skirt. So dated. So dated. But, uh, and also for a 25-year-old, not particularly good. Tier 5 Friday's been dropped. Apparently Chris Evans has said that um, he hasn't got time to film both. So there you go. I thought he would have done, actually. I thought he would have found time, but he said no. Also, uh, Rough Copy, a pup, the UK's first dead doggy DNA clone, which I suppose is actually quite nice. Karen Brady's been given a, a column today, so she can uh, 
She can let rip on that one. And uh, the world's fattest man has died aged... Well, I'll tell you first of all, at his heaviest, he weighed 70 stone. He was taken to a private hospital in an ambulance on Christmas Day, weeks after he had a stomach bypass in the hopes of eventually slimming, uh, to 12 and a half stone. They thought he weighed about 50 stone when he died. He was 38. 38. And um, this is in uh, San Jose Hospital. So he's in America. Apparently he'd been... uh, Carl Thompson died in June in this year. He was 65 stone. He pleaded for help. But the trouble is, it's all these people who eat all the time. You cannot help eating. It materialises, you know, in a different way in some people's bodies. Uh, Obviously, the coolest fitness guru in the sun is somebody called Joe Wicks, who we've never heard of, but uh, they now call him the body coach. They're all given titles, aren't they? This coach, that coach, life coach. So he's the body coach. Because as you've all overindulged over the Christmas season and uh, and all these days, it's a case of now you've got to get rid of it. But please, please do not waste your money on uh, on, you know, celebrity fitness videos. You do not need to buy that. You really do not need to buy it. Um, Because that would be silly. Just go to the doctor. They give you a diet plan. You don't need to sort of line their pockets. Oh, dear. (coughs) Uh, One here. Uh, says, what's wrong with truck drivers? I don't know, you tell us. No idea, what's wrong with truck drivers? Uh, somebody says you should come to Australia. It's the flight. It's the flight. It's it's an awful long way to go. <laughs> That's the only reason. I'm not good on long flights. Not good on long flights at all. And uh, Steve, why did you think Alan Carr's show awful? His show? I didn't. I didn't say it was awful at all. Somebody else wrote it and said it was awful. What's the matter with me? I'm sorry, do we need to hand out hearing aids or something on the programme? Your battery's running down. I didn't say it was bad at all. Most of his shows have been awful this year because they, uh, they can't get the celebrities. I mean, if, if the best they got was, uh, was that woman who does the So Haunted programme, and that was considered a, a major guest on the programme, they've really plumbed new depths. He's got to pull his finger out and get the show back to where it was. But I think uh, Graham Norton has almost sealed his fate. He gets the best guests. He gets the best conversation, and it's not just reliant on let's shove some alcohol down somebody. It's a thin act, and it's kind of run its course. So I'm looking forward in the next year to um, to more innovative shows, more shows that they put a bit of effort into. I don't want a show about people lip-syncing with Professor Green. You know, that sounds like the ultimate dull show to me. What on earth Alicia Dixon's doing on that one? I've got no idea. And David Walliams. I'm sorry, it's just not funny anymore. It's the same people that keep turning up on things. Let's have something interesting. Let's have something interesting. The X Factor needs to revamp. That, I think, we've all agreed. Would we see next year the return of Louis Walsh? Might do, you know. You could certainly lose Nick Grimshaw. You could absolutely lose him. It wouldn't make the slightest difference to the programme. And I think now we need to, we need to sort of shove off poor old Cheryl. Let her go and do something, like sort of, you know, try and keep her marriage together. Because you, you would have thought, actually, that if the marriage is on the rocks, as they've suggested, she'd say to him, uh, Way A. Simon, can I take Tame off? Want to save me marriage? You know, but th- they don't seem to think about that nowadays. It seems to be all done for the publicity. And uh, and it should be more than that, I think so. I'm going to have a nice lazy day today. I've decided it's going to be a lazy, lazy week. Lazy week. And I bet you're all looking forward to the Quentin Tarantino film. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I've seen it. I spoke to uh, uh, somebody yesterday. I uh, know Dave Ford. They said, what did you think of it? I said... It's thoroughly bloodthirsty. That's all. But then most of Quentin Tarantino's films are, aren't they? In fact, I think the blood that they use is called Tarantino Red. That's what they call it now because they use it in so many films. And I think I've got something of Petri Hoskins in the studio. It's sort of long and green. And I think you suck it. 
Not too sure. Could be a peppermint. Who knows? Uh, that's it. Thank you very much indeed for your uh, time today. I'm back tomorrow morning between 4 and 6.30. But you can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment 